Hey everyone, welcome to Founders 365 with me, Stephen Hankty. Today, I'm joined by Chris Ruby from Ruby Media Group. How are you today, Chris? I am great. How are you, Stephen? I am fantastic. And you're joining me from over the over the pond, as they say. Yep, I'm in New York in Westchester County. Amazing. I love New York. Well, I love New York City. <laughs> I haven't seen the rest of New York, but uh, New York City was pretty cool. So... Ruby Media Group, first and foremost, let's jump straight into this. What is it you guys do? What is it you specialize in and how do you help people? Sure. So Ruby Media Group does uh, a, a few core things. We do public relations, personal branding, social media, uh, and and content marketing. And basically what we believe is an integrated approach to build a founder through media relations by developing a personal brand. And we have um, a motto, which is package pitch, promote. And that's really the three-step process that we do. Um, so step one, when a founder comes to us, we look at them and we, we have to, we package them, right? We say, who is this person? What do they look like on paper? How can we package this founder and this brand? Um, and then um, we actually have to pitch that in step two. We pitch the brand, we pitch the founder to the media, to different trades. And step three is we promote a founder. So uh, once we have gotten coverage, how can we promote that coverage on social media? Mm -hmm. So that is our three-step process. And in a nutshell, that's what we do really well. Love it. i am already got so many questions in my head, mainly about the packaging side, because I feel that a lot of people probably come to you with, with an idea of what they want. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you just go, nah, that's not, that's not going to work. That is not, yeah. that's not what's going to sell. So what's one of the hardest things that you find when clients come to you about that side, side of things, the packaging side of aspect? I think there are so many hard things about whether it's the packaging <laughs> the side just every day and every day in PR. Um, yeah, you're right. So it's, it's, it's actually really interesting. So I, I asked someone that works with me the other day, their feedback about working in the, in this experience and clients and what they thought of the whole experience. And they said, one of the things I really was not expecting was that I thought people who hired public relations professionals would trust their guidance more and wouldn't mm -hmm. question it as much. So that directly ties into the question you just asked me, which is that there's this constant sort of struggle for some reason in the field of PR when people hire consultants that it's a little bit different, right? When you go to the doctor, you don't necessarily question what they want to do or how yeah. they want to do it. Um, with PR, people have this real emotional reaction to saying, I understand this is what you want to do, but it's not right, or this is not going to play well in the media. And so I think we should take this different approach. So, you know, that, that is one of the, the biggest challenges. And I think in order to have a successful public relations campaign, you need to sort of come into it with an open mind, which is to say, if you're going to hire an expert, you have to trust that expert advice that they know what they're doing. They know how to package you and they know where to take you. And, yeah. you know, oftentimes people have these very set uh, preconceived notions about, well, no, this is who I am. But just because you think that's who you are doesn't mean that that's going to play well in the media. So you need yeah. to be malleable. You need to be open to changing that when you work with a firm. Do people come to you at the right time? Because I think one of the things about PR, and I suspect this is mainly because of like movies and TV shows, people go to PR when thing people think about PR when things go wrong, rather than thinking, oh, actually, we need to be like you said, have a really good PR campaign coming up for a certain a certain result that they want. 
yeah, I always think that's the wrong approach, you know, I, and mm. I saw someone say that in a TV interview once they said, oh, well, you know, you only people only hire PR firms when things are terrible. And, you know, the, the guests didn't correct them, which sort of <laughs> infuriated me because that's not the re you should not only hire a PR firm for crisis communications, mm -hmm. you should hire a PR firm when things are good actually, rather than wait until things are bad, because that's just becomes this sort of dumpster fire that you have to put out really fast. And it's not the best uh, approach. You want to give mm -hmm. someone time to understand your brand, understand your strategy so that if something does go wrong, they really, they know you already, right? Yeah. If you hire someone in the thick of it, it becomes really challenging and there's and I, no time to onboard either. I'm assuming that they're two very different PR type agencies as well. The ones that deal with mainly that crisis side of things versus you, you know, an agency like yours where you're really nurturing that person. You're really building that foundation of who that founder is. And like you said, you're packaging them up in a certain way, which is going to be presented to the media rather than the media is already, you know, in the crisis situation, the media has already kind of made their mind up about that person or that company. And then right. you have to do a lot of firefighting. Fire, that's a great way to put it. Yep. I would say that that's a great distinction. So there's crisis comm agencies, but then there's also regular sort of personal brand building agencies. And mm -hmm. then of course we have, you know, this distinction of different types of media today. You have the traditional firms that are all about traditional media coverage, whether that's yeah. still print magazines, newspapers, or TV. Then you have this sort of new breed uh, firms where they're all about shows like this, live stream shows, podcasts, digital streaming opportunities. And so, you know, we, we do so much more of that just because I think for clients, it's such an added SEO uh, mm. benefit as well that we just don't see with traditional forms of media. Do you, what, what about the value of that then? The value of, you know, having a, a print media campaign versus a social media campaign in Instagram podcast, whatever that is. Is there a different perceived value on two of those things? And do you think there is more value in one than the other nowadays? So I think they're really, so when I started out, I've been doing this 14 years. When I started out, there there was a palpable difference in the value, right? Mm -hmm. And people still believed that there was a greater value being placed on print. I don't think that's the same anymore. And so when I tell people, no, like we really specialize in digital, people are okay with that. I think when I started out, they they weren't. And yeah. digital was still very much so this unknown space. And, um, you know, it's just, I, I even, I see it if someone's on TV, like they're not, that's great that they're on TV, but does that, do they get a link? Like, do they, what happens with that segment yeah. and where does it go? Same thing with radio. Radio is great when you're on it, but a lot of times we can't find those links online. Like, so mm. that's the other problem. So you have this new breed of consumer today where they don't just want to do media. They want to be able to access that media uh, directly after they do it. And sometimes with traditional media, you can't do that. It's just on the ether. As a PR expert, when you watch interviews online, are you constantly sort of thinking, what are they getting out of that? Or do you have the ability to switch off and go, actually, this is a really good interview? Because I imagine sometimes you must just be like, they should have called me. I'm always in media training mode. Yeah. So anytime I, I think I watch media with a different sort of lens, which is to say that here are the things I think they should be doing differently. So media training is one of the key mm -hmm. services we offer. And I think it's also probably a big mistake that people make where they, they jump into doing interviews without ever having been media trained. I will say that 
it's fascinating to me the, the number of people that are now thrust into doing podcasts that have no media training at all. Mm-hmm. And that was a really interesting space for me when we started, you know, booking clients as guests on podcasts. And when I even started personally being on podcasts, my background is in traditional media and television. So I've done, you know, national television here more than 150 times. And from my experience, doing a, a live on air national TV interview is very different than doing a podcast like mm-hmm. this or a live stream show. And so what I realized very quickly is that someone, you know, media training needs to happen that's different for podcasting or live stream shows than it is for preparing people for TV interviews. That's and really so- interesting because it's never spoken about either, really. Never. And people, it's never spoken about and people are just sort of thrown into doing something yeah. like this, um, which is sort of shocking to me, right? Because in a way, like we are, we're on air right now. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn, why is LinkedIn uh, not on air, but doing national television is on air? The way I see it is being live on LinkedIn is still on air. The internet yeah. is being on air. And so I think until we sort of bridge that gap and get people to understand that, we're going to have people doing interviews that aren't as great as they could be. How do you perceive that gap being bridged? The gap will be bridged when people start to take this form of media a little bit more seriously where they understand the ROI and the value of doing Mm -hmm. these interviews. And I think there's still, uh, while I say that there has been a shift that's been made, we still need to sort of go all the way to the other side, which is that um, life, at least here as a result of the pandemic, or I I suppose all over the world, is that we're never going back to the way that things were. No. You know, so someone, someone had, someone's been working with me this summer. They're interested in uh, television experience, and I haven't been on air um, as much because of the pandemic. And I said, I, I don't know what will happen after this. I don't know that we'll ever go back to that way. And I said, you know, a lot of people like me who were guests on TV, we turned into creators. We launched podcasts during this mm-hmm. pandemic. That's a huge shift in media. That's a huge shift if you have all of these people who were guests who now want to create their own shows or host it in the pandemic and understand and got a taste of what that's like. That's going to totally disrupt this field. Yeah, I, I was about to say, what's the danger of that then? What's the danger of people going, you know, I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to start my own podcast. I'm going to get be a guest on podcasts. Is that Does that mean there's going to be a, full, uh, a shortage of talent for you know, mainstream media, let's say? I don't think there were, no. So I don't, there will never be a shortage of talent for mainstream media because everyone still wants to be in it. Um, I do think there are some basic things though that people should be doing to prepare. So for example, the the best thing that I did was go to Best Buy before all this happened when I thought, wait a second, I may be stuck in my house for a while. So I got this Logitech webcam that I'm using and I got this (laughs) ring light and I got this whole, you know, this Hale PR40 and this whole amazing microphone system that, you know, before all this, I thought I'm probably not really going to use this, but now I'm yeah. like, I'm so happy that I had this. And I hear that the prices are jacked up now, unfortunately, on trying to get all of this course. equipment. I think in the UK for, for about a month, no one could buy a webcam. That's just incredible. It's crazy. Yeah. And so, so I think like there are simple things that people should be doing, you know, setting up a, uh, you know, a media system or anything like this with good lighting or a microphone system Mm. in their house is important. Um, And it's also really important. So if you still want to do traditional media, they want to know that you have these uh, things set up. If you don't, I think they're going to go to a guest that has that. Exactly. Well, I'm guessing also because of the COVID situation, like you just said, you know, you went out and brought the tech needed, which means the quality of home 
mm. filming and and home interviews has just been thrown into this new level yep. whereas before you could probably get away with you know using your your built-in mac camera correct exactly and, and, they, and, and you know your your apple pod headphones whatever they're called um, but now you've got to have good quality you've got to have a good mic a good camera a good light like you said uh, for those that don't have that and are still trying to get on board, what do you think needs to happen from, you know, is the drive from people like PR pe- people like yourself, is the drive from interviewers like me, or is it bigger than that for that learning curve to come into play? Well, I think the number one thing that podcast hosts in general can do that's super helpful is to have uh, these these sheets, right? These onboarding sheets before they have a guest on, which very clearly says, here's the tech you need to have. Here's the mm-hmm. equipment you need to have. And, you know, here are the rules of this particular show. The more clarity around that, the better. Speaking also from a, a PR perspective, because then we will take those lists or those links and say, listen, this is not up for debate. You yeah. have to buy this equipment or else you're not going to be booked on this show. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I think we still have some people that think, okay, no, I can just use like my, the the mic and my laptop. Yeah. And we say, no, that's not fair to the host who's investing their time and resources in having you on the show and making this good. You need to do your part too. And that starts with you investing in things to make this the best possible uh, experience for them. Yeah. I'm literally going to implement that tonight on my own, uh, on my own preform because I think it's so valuable. Uh, you know, I've, I've had guests in the past where, the show hasn't happened because they haven't been ready or, you know, That's even hard. things to even things down to not reading an email where we clearly state, you know, it's mm-hmm. going to be live streamed. It's both audio and video. Um, and they just don't, and they just miss it and they rock up and they're in their pajamas, just expecting it to be audio. And I just go, sorry, it's, it's not happening. <laughs> um, but I'm sure many other guests, many other hosts, baby would just would, would run with that because they feel like the, the value would still be seen or maybe still be heard, but I'm on the basis where the value sure can still be heard or still be seen, but you've got to have that consistent quality. Yeah. So I think that there's one fundamental shift I want people to understand who are watching this or listening to this show today, which is that when you're dealing with traditional media, you have this, you know, a whole crew, this full-time staff that's working on a show. And when you're dealing with a podcast host, a lot of time it's it's them and maybe one or two other people that are mm-hmm. trying to make this happen plus run a business. And the best thing you can do is understand that and have respect for that and honor that, right? Mm. And do your part to show up. I always tell people like, this is not a national media thing where you, where you have 50 employees who are making the show happen behind the scenes. What can you do to bring your A-game to help them to make this the best possible experience? Whether yeah, that right. is also creating a graphic, creating an audiogram, um, you know, chopping it up into social content so you're helping them uh, promote this interview. So that's something we've actually added into our contracts now, which is that if we are going to book you as a guest on a show, you need, you need to do your part in social sharing, mm. right? This is not a one-way street where, which is what traditional media in many ways was before, right? Because if you do a show, no one's really watching to see if you share it uh, in the traditional media sense. On digital yeah. outlets, they are, but national TV, not as much. Podcasts, it's very different and people notice. It, it comes back to what you said earlier, though, isn't it? It's that perceived value, that that perceived value isn't quite there yet, mm. but I think it is getting there. I do think that the, the direction is moving in the right way. Um, a great example is obviously the recent Joe Rogan Spotify deal, where I think that threw his name into a lot of people's heads that had no idea who he was. 
mm. and that started to go, you know, actually podcasts is a thing. People can get paid a lot of money for it. And uh, I think the downside to that is probably put a load of people that shouldn't be doing a podcast on because they think they're the next Joe Rogan. Correct. Yeah. And I, I hear there's a term for all of this called pod fading. Is that correct? <laughs> Never heard of that, but please. Oh, yeah. it's a, I hear it's like where a pod fading is where you, you get excited, you start the podcast and then the podcast fades and goes mm. away. Yeah. So a lot of people are excited to start it, but then they realize what it takes to do the editing and all of this back end work, which is a lot. Yeah. I, uh, I've done that myself. I've, I've been, I've done a pod fade. Really? Not this one. Yeah. <laughs> for me, you know, I tried a couple of podcasts before, but the message for me wasn't there. It wasn't, it wasn't important enough for me. So I, I did a couple of episodes and it just was like, nah, I'm bored of that now. But with this still going strong, your episode 130. Wow. So it's, uh, yeah. So we're still going really strong. Uh, but I do think that is because like you said, uh, the pre-framing of the type of guest, the message we want to come across, all these different elements to the show rather than, hey, I just wanted to have a podcast and talk about business. They're two very different things. That's a great point. Yes, I, I think, yeah, having focus, understanding your niche, who the target audience is and what you want them to learn. Um, mm. I think that the more prep, the better. Also on the guest side as well. Yeah, I think the guest side, like you said earlier, is such a valid point. So thank you so much for that. Um, let's talk about the future then, because kind of touched upon it in terms of COVID and how things are changing. Where do you foresee bigger changes happening in the world of PR? So I think what's, you know, so fascinating and one of the areas where we are really investing in and growing in is content marketing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how is AI and machine learning changing these core areas of PR and content marketing? And we've been, um, you know, trying out different resources and platforms which basically use AI and natural language processing in the content that we're writing. And it's just incredible to see um, also the time saved and, and different platforms to transcribe um, you know, interviews. So one mm -hmm. that we use is Otter AI. Yeah, uh, great. Have you tried that one? Yeah, I love oh, you've it. Tried Amazing, it's, right? Because um, a couple of years ago, it was all about Rev, wasn't it? Yes, but Otter is so good. So, yeah. so for so here's a recent uh, client win case study that was super successful. So one of the challenges we have with clients is getting them to actually take the time to sit and write the first draft of something. So mm -hmm. we worked with a lot of doctors and we said, download Otter on your phone and record yourself for your next grand rounds at a medical conference. They did that. And we had, because they did that, I had the Otter file and like just amazing content. And this yeah. file was able to turn it into like a 10,000 word piece for wow. an article, you know, with it's just changed everything that we're doing. And so that has become the impetus to change a lot of internal workflows as well. Even um, so when clients are guests now on podcasts, we're transcribing them with Otter. Mm -hmm. And so that's changing our workflow in terms of offering the service of blogging from these podcasts Yeah, that didn't exist a few months ago, at least with us. So, so that has really, I feel like we're also getting so much more value for clients out of uh, when they do uh, interviews, because what we learn is people really have different ways that they want to learn. Some want to see it, some want to read it, you know, so yeah. we have, we try and give them that content and all these different platforms. So to answer your question, you know, there are some people that think the field of PR just will be sort of obliterated, not what it looks like five years from today. Mm -hmm. And I'm very much so, I think, in agreement with that. You know, your, your value as a PR practitioner, it can't just be in your contacts, the quality of your contacts, because what we've seen is clients have no problem trying to steal them. 
right? Yeah. Just trying to take, this has to be more than just, oh, he, you know, this email address is proprietary and you can't take this. Because if that's all you're offering, it's very easy for someone to say, to hire you, take that business process and then try and do it themselves. Mm -hmm. You have to be offering something at a way higher level than that as a consultant. So just offering straight PR is not enough. Yeah. But you seem incredibly adaptable. You seem like someone that has got their finger on the button, ready to change with the times. I'm there. There are still lots of PR agencies, and not just PR agencies. Lots of marketing agencies out there that are still not even considering AI things. Right? What do you think when you when you look at those sort of businesses and compare it to yourselves in terms of how your business is going to continue to change over the next couple of years? Because I'm sure you know. Otter's a fairly relatively new bit of software and they've completely changed the market in terms of how transcribing is happening. Uh, so that's just like a, a little dash in the rain of what can be possible in the next few, in the next couple of years. So I think the number one reason why people do not innovate or look at this technology is because of fear across the board. And so I right. think the biggest challenge is not really learning the new uh, piece of software or equipment, whether it's mm -hmm. Otter or Descriptive is another one we just tried, which was really cool. I mean, I have a list. This is, I, I swear this is my hobby to find these new things at night <laughs> between 1 and 3 a.m. you got to do something during COVID. Yeah. So I, I love, I go on product hunt a lot. Like I really love trying these new things, but I will say this, like there has to be a mental shift that you make that will enable you to try those things. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's not, and it's being afraid. You have to be able to say, you know what, like I, I'm going to, I'm going to try it. And if I can, I'm going to have someone on my team that can at least help, you know, try it yeah. too. And let's see if this works. But getting over that initial fear, um, you know, same thing with workflow process. We had a client that said all of these emails back and forth, we need a different system. And they, the system they wanted was Google, uh, Google Docs. I'm not a Google Docs person. I like Microsoft Word. I'm old school. So when it comes to this, I just want to email and do, you know, uh, Microsoft Word. I don't want to change that system. But I, you know, we said, okay, so then we we tried teamwork and I've been using teamwork for years, but I never uh, allowed a client to be on teamwork to actually mm -hmm. see what we're doing and have transparency into our organization. And that was super scary for me when I implemented that, because what I realized is every time, you know, there's a task on there, like we are now not only accountable internally, but we're accountable externally to that client seeing exactly yeah. what we're doing. Did but, you then, after you did that with that client, did you run that with all your clients? Uh, I'm thinking about doing that. So we're, we're still doing it right now, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty great. And what I realized is that not only is it just about accountability for us, but it's about accountability uh, on the client side as well. Mm. Right. So there's, there's no way to say, Oh, well, I didn't see that because now you can see it in all these different places. And so, yeah. um, and I also think it, it's incredible, right? It, it's really streamlined our efficiency in terms of time tracking and billing. You can put all of that within that one platform. And so that tells me like, wait a second, this is eating up time in this area. And now I can very clearly see that. So yeah. again, in the beginning, right, I think there's this fear, like, I don't want to change. I don't want to do it a different way. I've done it this way for 13 years. And then once you get over that fear, you think, wait, this could actually be good. Yeah. Well, it's all, it's all, it's the comfort circle, right? Yes. You, you were comfortable. You knew what you knew. You, you didn't know what you don't know. And then you've got to learn, you've got to adapt. Um, just like trying Otter, just like trying all these other episodes. One thing I'm really curious about, when clients come to you and you start mentioning these sort of services about how transcribing it, turn it into blogs, 
are they aware that that's possible? Are they aware that they can even do that? Or is it sort of just like, I just want to get on podcasts and have a good time? You know, I don't think most are aware of all of these different platforms that are out mm. there. I think, and I think when you make someone aware, they think it's great and cool and they'll try it. But I, I think most, unless you're really like actively searching these products out, most people don't realize all of these amazing tools exist. Yeah. And that's what's so exciting for me, whether it's tools to, you know, increase efficiency in a P PR workflow or AI content marketing tools, they save you time. And not only that, they make the work better. I mean, it, it, like- It must make it more enjoyable for you as well. It does. You know, Market Muse is another one that we, uh, have you tried Market Muse? I haven't heard of that one. Oh, it's, a, it's a, this amazing uh, natural language processing one. And they gave people three month trials during COVID, which is pretty cool. I think ours may have just run out, but basically it does um, this entire brief and an outline amazing. for, which is like, how much time does that save you rather than manually going to Google and looking at the questions yeah. that people are searching for? It figures it out for you. It's just crazy that AI is already at that level which it can do that. Yeah, and so I think, and again, like someone interested in PR, they may they may listen to this and say, well, that has nothing to do with what I do. I don't care about content. And mm. my answer to that is then you should because you're doing <laughs> people a disservice, right? Because for example, the, the questions in that brief could be used for an interview like today. Sure. Right. So even if you're not going to touch someone's blog, like you, you should be looking at the things that people are searching for your clients for to yeah. find them. That is valuable. You need to be able to connect the dots in all of those different areas of marketing mm -hmm. or PR today. I think if someone did listen to this, who is in PR and didn't agree with this, then I don't think they would survive being in PR if, if they're running their own business. This is um, for much longer because more and more PR companies such as yourselves are adapting, are changing, are streamlining. You know, th times are just getting more and more intelligent with AI, with all these other systems. Like I use two things to get this podcast go up and running, StreamYard and then Anchor. Whereas before you would have to, you know, upload it to 10 different platforms and spend hours doing that. It's already pretty simple and it's only ever going to get better. It's not, it's never going to go back in time and Otter is suddenly never going to be available. Otter is just going to get better with time. That's a great point. Yeah, and StreamYard is awesome. I've used it too for other webinars, so I, I actually really like the platform. Yeah, um, big fan, big fan. I, I literally send my referral link to everyone that ever mentions how do I do live streaming or podcast. I'm like, you StreamYard, don't look anywhere else. It's the best on the market. Um, obviously, other StreamYards are available, you know. Um, Chris, listen, one of my final questions to you is, if there was a founder in front of you right now who perhaps sort of just wanted a, a you know one of those annoying founders that wants a general chat but what are three things for you that they can be taken away and they can be implemented into their business or into their content or into their interviews that will make them a lot more pr friendly when sure. they're putting things out there so this is a really great question. I did a webinar the other day on public relations. And at the end of it, I said, I'm offering a 15 minute PR audit. A lot of people came to me and took me up on that offer. And so <laughs> I did a bunch of these audits for people. And one of the first things I noticed across the board on all of their sites, their sites were not ready for PR. So mm -hmm. before I could give them advice, like what you just said, they needed to fix their website. So that is tip number one for your listeners today. Get your house in order, clean up your site. So even if you want to work with me for PR, if your site isn't primed and you don't have a brand, there's not much I can do. Like you have to do that because a, a journalist is going to uh, look at your site and so is a producer. Mm 
Mm -hmm. Um, so that's tip number one, fix your website or create a second, uh, personal branding website. So it's very clear to me or anyone else looking at your site, who you are, what you do, what you specialize in and have a great bio. Also, you need really good headshots. If you like anytime I send out a pitch, I need a high res headshot and I need a bio written in third person. Same thing with your, your social media also has to be set up. Yeah. And people want to see that it's active. So that's all going to follow. I hate, when, it, I hate when I read things and it's not in, this, not in the third person. <laughs> yes. Make it easy for people. Make yeah. it easy. Make their lives easier. So that is tip uh, number one that I have for people. Um, tip number two, write out the list. If you want to be a podcast guest, write out the list of the 10 uh, questions you want to be asked. Like have an idea, not just that I want to be on a podcast and I want to talk about business, right? That's nothing. Like mm -hmm. you have to be very specific. You want to be a, on a podcast to talk about what? Public relations? Okay. So what are the 10 questions you want to talk about within PR? Yeah. And then really drill it down, right? And then if you lined up me and 10 other PR pros, what's the difference between all those 10 people? You have to be able to understand that because anyone on the uh, receiving side of this is going to be pitched by hundreds of people a day. Mm -hmm. You need to have that mentality and understand that uh, going into this. And so, you know, I think number three is, again, figure out how you can package that in a way that is attractive to someone else who's looking at this. And when they see your content, they think, oh, I know, Chris, she's that expert in PR. She's a social media expert, right? Or I know so-and-so, they're the doctor, they specialize in X. People need to be able to look at you and see who you are on paper. Yeah. And I think if you don't understand that, you're not going to go far in PR. <laughs> The fact you just said that immediately made me think you probably have had so many conversations where within the first 30 seconds, you're just like, oh, my God, why am I on this phone call? Well, you know, I think that it's, I look at it like I'm a, a painter and sometimes there's a canvas that I, to me, Google is a canvas, right? Google yeah. is this blank canvas for me that I can paint. That's exciting. The more challenging part is when it's not blank and there's a lot of <laughs> negative publicity and someone has to fix that with online reputation management. But yeah. Um, be malleable, be like a stone that someone can work with and carve. If you, if you're not going to be malleable, it's going to be, it's going to be hard to carve that stone and get PR press. Such a perfect way to end this podcast. One, one final, final question. I promise this is the last one. How can people find you? How can people get in touch with you? How can sure. people see more about what you do? So I have a few different sites, uh, rubymediagroup.com or chrisruby.com. I also have medicalpracticepr.com, which is just for PR for doctors. If you want to see case studies in that area, you can also find me on Twitter at Sparkling Ruby or Instagram at uh, Chris or Kristen Ruby. And same thing with LinkedIn, which I guess you can, they'll see me on here. Yeah. You'll be tagged everywhere as well. Chris, Perfect. thank you so much for coming on Founders 365. You have dropped amazing value and I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you, Stephen, so much for having me. And uh, I, I hope we have some good PR tips to share with your viewers. You really have. You really have. Thanks everyone for listening and watching. This has been Founders 365 with me, Stephen Haggerty.